You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post on. What up, Fran? What up? As we speak right now, we are three, four, four days or so out from. Our trip to Crime Con 2022 in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, big city, bright lights, tons of informative people coming to speak. Steve Wilkos, others. Uh, <laughs> friend, how you feeling, man? You excited to get on the plane? I know, I know you're not excited to get on the plane. Uh, the plane, absolutely. <laughs> Everything else. But after Other that, than that, I'm excited. It's a brisk five and a half. A it's light gonna, five and a half. Rough, I'm going to get you a Xanax. You take that. Wake up. You're in Vegas. Take a half of one. Can you take a, a half? Can you half, cut an half? Take a half a Zan, like yeah. like Drake. That's what Drake does. Okay. He's what. That's why he's one of my favorite rappers. Because when everybody's like, I drink lean all day. He's like, I take a nice half a Xanax and get a nice comfortable two and a half hour sleep. He yeah. like he does drugs responsibly. Yeah. He's like, yeah, take a nice Vivance with a white wine. <laughs> he turns up like a like a middle aged white woman. Yeah. And I respect it because I'm in the same bag. I'm not trying to get. Sloshed and oh, man. Percocets and all this type of stuff, but a nice, you know what I mean, a nice little prescription, light-hearted, dozy drug yeah. with a little wine. That's my bag. Yeah, sure. I'm actually going to the doctor's on Monday, so I'm like, hey doc, my back is just. I got man. No, actually, no. Some you don't even have to lie like that. If you tell them you have anxiety on planes, they'll, they'll prescribe. I was you, like, hey man, I can. They'll I prescribe you a mild Xanax. Yeah, they'll prescribe you a mild Xanax. So I don't even need to get it to, get it for you. Yeah. Uh, friend, speaking of planes, yes. Did you hear about what happened, with Iron Mike? Iron Mike, who was that? Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. Former heavyweight yeah, champion yeah, of the world, yeah, yeah. most dangerous man on the planet. Yes. Did you see the video? I did see the video. Um, I have my thoughts on the video. First of all, Mike Tyson is in such a peaceful place in his life mm-hmm. that that person must have been egregiously an asshole. Yeah. And more has come out. Apparently, this dude has a long history of like crimes and alcoholic, all kind of shit, mm-hmm. being a nuisance. He was definitely drunk on the plane for one. Yeah. But I think what happened was, see, there was a dude filming it. Mm-hmm. I think they were buddies. And I think that dude was trying to get a check. Because it just seemed he was like, it was too instigated, too instigated from the jump. Right. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm such a fan. It was like, look, man, look, man, it's Mike Tyson's in flying on the same plane as us. He doesn't have his own plane. It was that kind of shit, you know. Mm. And the most interesting part of this to me is, if you've ever watched a Mike Tyson interview, he has the blackest eyes I've ever seen, like a, like a shark. Mm. There is nothing behind them. And it's the same look that you see at the zoo of a tiger, mm. where it's like, that's why I always, those videos of people when they're like, this, this is just a big old cat. Guys, they're like, they like, I raised this tiger from a yeah. cub, and they fucking roll around with them and shit. I'm like, it could be, uh, something could happen in that cage that you don't even perceive that happened, <laughs> yeah. and a snap could happen in that tiger, and you are food. Yeah. And Mike Tyson has the exact same look in his eyes when he's laughing with people on his podcast. I look, I listen to. His, I love. He's a. Gen- I mean, Mike Tyson is a very thoughtful speaker. He's really interesting to listen to. 
So I listen to his podcast and he'll be saying some stuff that's really nice. Yeah, man, you know, everything, we're all connected to the universe and none of the ego death and, you know, everything's powerful. And somebody might say something that's like, yeah, I don't really believe in all that. Why not? You know, how you, you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you can tell there's tension, mm-hmm. but you didn't start the tension, but right. it's everything they say is like, well, why would you say it like that? Yeah. And you're like, uh, no, I'm just saying I don't really believe in that. Well, who are you? Who do you? Who are you to say that? Say that with such confidence that you could believe yeah. that? And you're like, uh, are we? Are we cool? You really gotta ask. Like, are we? Are we good? Mm-hmm. That's how quick the switch can flip for Mike. So on that plane, this dude is talking crazy shit, and Mike Tyson still very like, listen, brother, I don't, you know, peace and love, alhamdulillah, you know, all that shit. And the video cuts, and then all of a sudden he's beat up. Yeah. yeah. I think it just was that fast. <laughs> I don't know if it cut. I think, really, because you got to think about how dangerous this man is. Yeah. And also, he was in front of the guy. Yeah. That means he turned around yeah. to the back seat on a plane and fired and him up. Yeah, yeah, and fired him up like that. What I do got lucky is it wasn't a lot of space oh, in the plane. <laughs> <laughs> if it was a ring, could you imagine being in a ring with Mike Tyson, no holds barred? Oh, my God. He would have been dead. He was lucky there was a row of seats, yeah. overhead bins. He's lucky. Maybe a flight attendant might have been. Arm you know, like you know, and hooks. you know everybody on the plane. Oh, stop him. Yeah. They, they thought he was going to murder this. I bet there were some blood curdling screams from like men. Mike, don't. Mike, don't kill him. Mike. Because yeah. I, I, I would have been like that. Mike, no. I have been terrified. Like, oh, don't hurt him. Um, but uh, yeah, you really got to be a, a special type of asshole to get that kind of reaction out of Mike Tyson in 2022. But I mean, like. I mean, but he was he was looking for that. That's what that I mean. Because after he hit him, after the camera cuts and now he's all beat up, he he knows where the camera is. That's why yeah, I think yeah. him and the guy on the other side were friends. Because he's like showing, he's doing his lip all pouty and showing his face is be, is beat up to be almost like, look, this is what I'm going to show the the judge, you know. So my question to you is, what's the price for what for you to take a dive against Mike? Oh. Where you where let's say you got the perfect situation set up, you go up to him, Mike. You're a bitch. But nobody catches that part. Like, let's say you just know what to say to Mike Tyson. That makes him hit you. And you know I can say it. And nobody on the camera is going to see what I said. They're only going to see him hit me. And then I can take him to court. Mm. What number is worth it to you to get fucking your cranium clobbered by Mike, Iron Mike Tyson? Uh, like one, like one like hit. Settlement. Or? He go. He goes. I mean, like what? Like how oh, many no, hits? one clean, one clean hit. Yeah, he just is not. He but you're going to f- be knocked out. Hit your head on the concrete. <laughs> like you're gonna. It's not gonna be like yeah. you're gonna have to go to the hospital. Probably over over two hundred thousand. That's it. Yeah. Damn. Two hundred thousand. Maybe five hundred thousand. Uh, I need a cool. I need a million. Need a million. I need a million settlement. Cause you got to think. I'm. A, I'm. Almost, I'm. Letting, this is a clean hit. I'm not saying you're really taking a dive. Like he he smacks you. Yeah. And you pretend to be hurt. I mean, he connects flush, probably breaks your jaw. You fall back, hit your head on the concrete. You're doing one of those. Stiff. You're doing all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. And it's not pretend. Yeah. You really are getting knocked the hell out mm. on fucking the strip in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, 200,000? Over 500,000. I go 500,000. Okay, half a, mil- half a million is. I can agree with that for sure. It's just, I couldn't believe that. But in real life, I would have no, uh, not any audacity but to do, do you, anything other than Mike. I'm a big, yeah, big, but I, big fan. I just don't understand how people just go like, "Oh, I'm gonna just irritate this person and see if I can get a react." Like, how was that? Uh, how was that a an objective of you when you see somebody of his stature to be to do something like that? I just don't, I don't understand. Like, I just don't get it. That's just, that's just so whack to me. It's a trolling has gotten to a point uh, now where 
people just but you like a lame th- when you but, do that but though. they do but they don't care they just do things so that they don't really even um mean or anything they just know i want to be a bad guy or say something jerkish or whatever you know like it's just it's just the thing to do now it really is weird it kind of you know i know people don't have really like sympathy and empathy for celebrities because like they're famous and make money or whatever but it kind of it sucks to be famous today like people want so much from you they want to know your kids names where you eat yeah they want to autograph no matter where you're coming coming from a funeral whatever like i've seen did you see that video of uh kendrick Kendrick Lamar? Yeah. No. He did a baseball game. He was at a baseball game in the what I call the regular people seats. Oh, and like, somebody spotted him, and then the whole the whole shit just crazy. got crazy. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Most of the people there probably don't even really, they don't even really care. They just want. It's like, oh, this is a celebrity. I got to get a video so I can either yeah, leaning over, my, taking pictures so of. So I can just stuff. sit in my phone, or maybe I post it, and nobody yeah, really yeah. cares. Like I know they, he was pissed. Though. So six people on your Instagram can go. Oh man, you saw Kendrick Lamar at a baseball game, and that's yeah. it. And you inconvenienced this man; he had to leave the base. Did he leave? I don't think he left. But okay. it, but you can but tell like that the, he was the like fun is the fun is ruined. Yeah, so you ruined this yeah. man's day to get a thirty second video. If you're going Kendrick, Kendrick, hey Kendrick, yep. hey Kendrick, oh, Kendrick. It, went, it went crazy. Come on, man! I saw a video of Justin Bieber. He he was at his he was at his condo. He like pulled up to his condo with his security, or whatever. He got out, and the fans like know where he lives, and that's just like fine. That's fine. That's like a normal thing. People know where you and your wife live. And they just wait out there. That's perfectly normal today. And he's like, they're like, Justin, can you just sign this autograph? And he gives this really thoughtful speech. I really respect it. He goes, hey, guys, listen, like, I'm not signing any autographs. I remember like, that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just asking you guys to respect that this is where I live, where my wife lives. Like, I'm just not really, I just want to have a nice day. I want to go in and this, that, and the third. And he does this for like 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah. As soon as he gets done speaking. Can you just sign one? It's like, <laughs> man, I just like, it's like I might as well have just not even said anything. Yeah. It's like I just wasted words. Like, I'm a human being. I'm sitting here being vulnerable with you. Hey, guys, I, I love you guys. All that. You can take a picture of me right here while I'm talking. Like, whatever. That's cool. But I'm not signing any autographs, and I'm not taking any pictures leaning, and I'm not doing any of that. And I just need you guys to respect that. Can you just do me? So you just didn't even listen to anything I said. Yeah. It's just a lack of respect, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I've took a picture with a basketball player before. It's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's nothing wrong with but it's it's time. It's a time and a place. Yeah. Don't go up to somebody at their whether you're dinner with but that I, girl. Oh, I got you. I got you. you know but I mean? said I, sp- I spotted him just. Yeah, on the you catch yeah, somebody. Yeah, yeah. And you catch somebody. And again, it, it really it's up to them. Yeah, yeah. If they're cool enough to go, yeah, yeah, let's flick up one time or whatever. That's cool. But if they go, yeah, man, hey, I'm actually like going yeah. to go. With my, but Kendrick Lamar was in some. So he's friends. at an event. But that's what I. Re- that's why I respect. He was just like, I want to go see the game. Yeah, I was sat I here. Nobody was. I, nobody was supposed to see me. See. <laughs> I want the feeling of the baseball game. Yeah. I'm. I'm Kendrick Lamar. It was probably. Was it like a Dodgers game? It was a Dodgers game. I'm Kendrick Lamar, but like if. Kendrick Lamar looks such like such a regular person yeah. that if he doesn't make himself look like a celebrity, like with crazy clothes on and a bunch of security around him, in L.A. at a Dodgers game, he could he he could probably put on a ball cap, yeah, and be incognito. Yeah, like this weird hat, except on. for one, except oh, like oh, like something cele- like a like a eclectic hat, like a celebrity. Yeah, type it, of hat. it wasn't just like a Dodgers it, hat. Nah, it was like it was some, some kind of like Andre three thousand hat. hat. Yeah, yeah. But still, he, like you say, he he does He's, like. But you can all it takes is one. Yeah, one all it takes one person to go. Yep. Is that Kendrick Lamar? And yep. then they put it on their and, and story or whatever. And then everybody starts going. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Bro. Right. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's a pretty shitty time to be a celebrity. But another thing I want to talk to you about because you're a dad, and, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this because yeah. this is going to be, this is going to be something that's coming up for you and soon in your life. And I thought this was an interesting thing that happened. I read this on BuzzFeed. There was this dad. Mm-hmm. Um, his son's birthday party was coming up, okay. and his son made the invitations to the birthday party, but he made the invitations to. We wanted to invite mm-hmm. in the classroom. 
and he hands him out. And the, the teacher called his dad to be like, hey, listen, if you're going to invite kids to the birthday party, you should invite the whole class. Everyone, yeah. And the dad cursed her out. The dad cursed the teacher out. I can invite who the fuck I want to invite. Yeah. It's my son's birthday. He's going to invite his friends. And I wanted to get your thoughts on what do you what do you what do you think? Because I understand what the teacher's saying, but like, it's my son's you know yeah. what I mean? like. So what do you think? Um, like, do I think it's okay just to invite who she who he or she wants to invite? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's perfectly fine. I don't think you have to invite the whole class. What I don't they, she don't well, talk it's like all you know that. people don't get included. People feel left out. Some people get a card on their desk and other people don't. That's, that's what the problem is nowadays. This is life, bro. This is how it you is. You have to learn that, like, some people, your, rejection is a thing. There's, we can't make these safe spaces where rejection is, doesn't man. exist. I remember there was Valentine's Day thing, mm-hmm. and there were years where people got cards. I didn't get a card. You know, you, everybody, you know, people get Valentines yeah, yeah. and stuff. Which was, I don't even know if they still do that anymore. But that was interesting that that was a thing. Like, you could write up a Valentine, yeah, yeah. and go and put them. Give them I think people, you have bags. People have bags like on their desk and stuff. And yeah, some people, yeah. some you know, you know, you know, some dudes get like eight cards in their shit. You know what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't some some years I didn't get none yeah and that's just you just gotta eat it yeah that's life rejection is a thing that happens man you can't get participation trophies through your whole life and then the first inconvenience in your life is gonna happen you're gonna think I'm special this shouldn't be happening to me you gotta learn that sometimes you just don't get invited to stuff yeah when you I mean when you have a party you invite who you wanna invite yeah cause that's you gonna have a fun time you're not gonna invite somebody just cause and then they there you don't talk to them and now this person's here at the party Messing the vibes up. Messing the vibes up. But now they they look like some lames because now he's like, nobody's talking to me. I'm just yeah, here. So that's probably, like, the, that's probably, know, that's worse. That's where I was just about to say that, that. I didn't even think about that. It's like, we invite you to the party and then we treat you like how we, because we didn't, we didn't, we didn't want you to be here. Yeah. We just invited you because we had to. So when we're jumping in the moon bounce and playing little games and duck, duck, goose, and we're not inviting you. Yeah. That's probably a worse feeling than that little five minutes in the classroom where I'm handing out right. my invitations and you don't get it. That feeling probably sucks, but it sucks more to just be like. To find out some kid comes up to you and, and goes, you're only here because your mom complained and he and they made me invite you. Oh, yeah, you. kids are cruel. That's way worse. Yeah, yeah kids, kids are brutally honest. I'll and let then, you know. Because I know Sophia had, she got invited to a birthday party and she went with her friend that was in, you know, in school. Mm-hmm. I mean, she went with like her, um, her uh, cousins or uncles or whatever, went with her to the party or whatever. So they went, but it's like the girl that invited her to the party also, her cousins were there, so it was like she was hanging out with her. She's hanging out with her cousins, yeah. And Sophie barely talked to her, but luckily Sophie had somebody else there with it, so she right. was like, whatever. But it was like, but there was some feeling there that, for sure, yeah. right? But yeah. still, it was just like, I invite you to the party, and I invite some other people to the party, and it's like, well, I'd rather hang with you than this person. So right. I was like, I'm gonna just hang out with you, and I was yeah. like, well, he's here, so I mean, he's like, whatever. But it's, that's just how it is, man. That's just how, how it goes, man. I just thought that was interesting because yeah, yeah. that's an interesting phone call to get as a parent to be like, hello, uh, Mr. Evans. I just wanted to let you know that if you're going to send your son to school with uh, birthday uh, invitations, I would rather you invite the whole class so that other kids don't feel left out. Yeah. And it's like, well, my Not kid that. doesn't bang with everybody in the class. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are you on my phone for? <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you, know how much, do you know how much cake Click. costs? Uh, I don't have enough cake to just invite willy nillies. You can't just have willy nillies come to the party. <laughs> it's a very specific invite list. Only the most poppingest kids in the class. Yeah. Did Rebecca get invited? Yes. Her dad plays for the Baltimore Blast, the indoor <laughs> soccer team. So yeah, I need that kind of cloud at the birthday party. Uh, Madison's dad, he's a plumber. It doesn't glitter and glam like that. So she doesn't get invited. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, it just goes like that sometimes. That's how it is. You know, some kids hit it off with other kids that, you know, and, and other kids don't hit it off with other kids. That's how it goes, man. Right. I don't, but I found it interesting. Like, it really is indicative of kind of like the whole, society as a whole right now. 
Yeah. Where you can't, nobody's feelings can get hurt. Nobody can get rejected. We can't, that can't happen. And you can't, but like you, you, you can only, you can make these little fake worlds where it doesn't happen, but eventually the real world happens. Yeah. Eventually. And then you're not, not going to know how to react. You're not going to be ready for it, bro. Yep. And then you, and then, and then you end up depressed because you think it's something wrong with you when yep. it's like, no, this is just life. Yeah. This is just the world, but you've been sheltered long enough that you think everybody thinks you're great and everybody thinks you're special and nobody loses and everybody. And then you go out into the real world and people have beauty standards and all the stuff that exists in the world that's just innate in human beings that you've been saved from by a, a coddling society, it still exists. Yep. We're not going to be able to eradicate like pretty privilege. Like people, pretty people just, the world just works differently and we can make it. I got, yeah. This is all, this is coming off the tails. You know, I watched the white, white hot, the, the Abercrombie documentary mm-hmm. and, and it is a, that place is a dark when you watch it on the screen. I had a, I had a great time. <laughs> I had a great time working there, yeah. but like, when you watch it on the screen and you see their practices and what they did and even what it did to me, because like I remember being there and seeing on hiring days when they would have group group interviews, I could I would go, that person I get hired, that yeah, person yeah, I get yeah. you but you don't think about you're being race you're you don't you're not thinking it's racist, you're just thinking like we're just looking they're they're, they're looking for a certain thing and that right. person isn't it and that person but why? You know what I mean? But like that is that just exists. You can fucking condemn Abercrombie. But you can walk in the store and see what kind of people they want in the store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. That's they, not weren't, they weren't like hiding yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why I said the documentary is so interesting because it's like, yeah, yeah. I thought we all just kind of knew this. Yeah. But like, I didn't, I never, it's weird. Like, I, I thought we all knew this, but I didn't think, I didn't think about it as being racist. I guess because I got a job there. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I didn't have to, they did ask me to shave my mustache, but like, I didn't have to like cut off some cornrows or something mm-hmm. like, like degrading to my culture or me as a, my identity as a black person. I didn't have to like, uh, compromise it to work there yeah so i didn't think of it that way i just thought like this is the look they're looking for and i know this person isn't that and that person isn't that this person coming in to fill out they're going to put them in impact like i i just kind of knew but i didn't think about it being a thing but that's the world like yeah. you can we can condemn abercrombie we can call abercrombie awful but and and make sure that they change their practices and stuff but that's the world like that exists rejection and exclusivity and 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 standards that you might not meet up to and stuff that's just the world man and if it if it starts in kindergarten and somebody goes, well, there's only five people in this class that I really like and you know talking to. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to invite those five people to the birthday. Yeah. Everybody's not going to get an invitation to the birthday. So it starts at, it starts that early that like exclusion and selection and stuff. So to 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 coddle people and protect people from it, you can only do that for so long because the world's going to world. Yeah. At some point, the world is going to world. I do have a question though, please. For the people that don't know, you were at my house. I was at your house. Day. Good times. <laughs> Fun times. What, what 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 did you think? What was you what was your point of view at my house? Um, I, I it's interesting. To, it's interesting <laughs> to see you in dad mode. Yeah. with two kids. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot more chaotic than I was expecting, <laughs> and I can tell that that's just the normal because you were very yeah. much like, "Hey, man, get off the ceiling." Yeah, just real, <laughs> but casual. Like it was no like. This is not normal. Like, this, yeah, yeah. You, this is how this is. But they do. Uh, but I loved it. It was great. It's, yeah, yeah. I loved it a lot, especially because I can leave. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great. Like, yeah, yeah, climb yeah. on me. Do yeah, a flip. Yeah. Hit the balloon. Yeah. After um, a while, you got to go. It's like, yeah. All right, man. I'll catch y'all later. You know what I'm saying? But no, I had a really good time. It was yeah, fun. Um, definitely going to be doing that again more often yeah, for, yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. It was cool to hear Max. Hey, Uncle, Uncle Val. He's yeah, like yeah. getting it out, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I think it's Sophia's coming around a little bit. I can yeah. tell she's a little shy, but yeah. like it's, it, I could tell she's like telling Max to 
telling oh, Max yeah. to tell me to do stuff. Yeah, she's a ringleader. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's definitely so, a ringleader. So, so that I, was, I'm trying to get her to not do that, but because <laughs> he'll he'll just do it. Yeah, and she knows like, well, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, so I like, go ask, go ask yeah. him <laughs> about his shoes or something. Yeah. Like, and then he's like. <laughs> <laughs> you just come over and do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but no, I was no, I was super. Yeah, fun, man. So man. I was like, that's why I'm like, um, you know, you coming over was, you know, it's a good thing because like, we, I want that to happen more just so they can get to know you better, especially for Sophia because she's so shy and she'll once she warm up to you, then yeah, then she'll you'll see you'll see how that's, she really. That's is. the one I want to crack. Yeah, that's how that's, really, yeah, that's Max that's, is just he's a boy, yeah. so it's just like I'm around with the other boys and yeah. this is how I'm at. Yeah. I'm gonna do my little car no, wheel Max, and man, Max is I got Max in the bag. Yeah, that's um, that's that's my guy already. Yeah. Lock lock them in. Yeah, Sophia, I'm I'm I'm, come, I'm gonna come with presents next time. Yeah, <laughs> come with some presents yeah, next yeah, time. Yeah. I got I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna break through that shell. So I'm, yeah, I'm, man, that's 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 I'm trying to put the work in on that for sure. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into these shout outs. Before we take a break. Oh, yeah, guys. It's time for some shout-outs. And once again, let's just go ahead and let them know again. Let's remind them, Fran. CrimeCon 2022. Yeah. Let's go ahead and, and, and give a shout-out to anybody who used our promo code. I think it's done now. But we were comped our stay at CrimeCon because of you guys. So thank you guys very much. Uh, you know, uh, enough of you guys used the promo code that we got a little bit of, you know, yep. love from, from the CrimeCon. And, and so that's super cool because last year we got nothing. <laughs> it was last minute. We didn't even have a promo code. Yeah. We just came through, did it, asked them last minute, is there any spots left? They let us on and the rest was history. But this year we've leveled up and we got a little uh, incentive bonus. So that's super cool. Shout out to you guys. Let's go ahead and uh, kick things off with a shout out to Sarah I. Okay. I and Fran have nothing but love for you, Sarah. I yep. shout out to you. Uh, up next, we got Ayana M. I got a cousin named Ayana. She's kind of a pill, but I'm sure you. I'm what? sure. Yes, yeah, like kind of pain in the ass a little bit, but I'm sure that's not like an, an indictment on Ayana's across the mm -hmm. board. I'm sure you're super cool, but my cousin Ayana, not so much. But shout out to you, Ayana. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we got a shout out to Ashley G. Real G's moving silence. Like what, Fran? Lasagna. You know that's right. Look, look for every all all of these, I know these the new Patreon subscribers. Yes. Look, people. This is the week. CrimeCon is coming up. Yes. The content is pumping out. Yes. Go ahead and join. Yeah, what are you doing? Wait, what are you waiting for? Why we got, we got. You sitting got at home on the couch, yeah. doing nothing. You always talking <laughs> about why not tomorrow? Yeah, life, yeah, life's yeah. passing you by. You always talking about tomorrow. How about no? How about today? How about you get up, join the Patreon, and change your life? You stop waiting around, wasting time, and just do it today. Yes, we got we got content coming up, CrimeCon exclusive content. I'm sure it's Major, coming up. It's coming exclusive up. Content. You got conspiracies. You got the premiere of Baby. I don't know what y'all waiting for with that. Man. The word is out. What are y'all waiting for? Episode 4 coming people out People should be going week. crazy. Shit gets real this week, Fran. What are people waiting for, man? I don't know. I don't know. Crazy. But yeah, this week, Episode 4 Baby is coming out. And um, again, it's the most vulnerable project I've ever done. And yeah. I'm really uh, happy with the response that people have given. And this week's episode is... One of the wilder ones. Okay. And I, I already told you, I'm in here like Pharrell. Yeah, I know you're in cooking the, up. The music, score, transitions and shit. This one, this week's one, I, it's, I'm more proud of than any of the oh, ones. you deep in the bag? Man, I did this thing. I don't even want to get a spoiler, but mm -hmm. I, I took a sound and then- Don't tell us. No, the, I'm just going to, vaguely. Yeah. Took a sound, transitioned it into a song immaculately. It was, I mean, I, it, it felt, I felt like a producer. Okay. So, um, yeah, no, and and again, the crime con content, crime con content, I like that. Uh, the crime content, the crime content is going to be video, audio, yep. 
like last year, we're going to do a live podcast straight from the booth. So you never know who we're going to run into. If Podcast Row has Nancy Grace stop by and I'm able to get her, Chris Hansen, Steve Wilkos, Paul Holes, whoever's coming by, if I can grab them and talk to them, we can get them on the mic for like five minutes. That'd be fantastic. So you never know who we're going to get in that regard. And so you want to be on that Patreon to catch that content because you're going to get it before anybody else. Yep. And uh, that's all I got to say, man. Again, shout out to those new patrons. Shout out to the old patrons. Taking it all the way back to WAP from the, the inception of this. It feels yeah. like it feels like it ages ago. feels like ages ago. Shit. The, the day one, the first 100. The 100? Yeah. That first 100? You already know. That was Studio One, man. Man. <sighs> Big ups. <laughs> Yeah. We got we got we got studio stuff coming in the yeah, near yeah. future though. So you know, studio a, a new a new pod loft is is soon a new pod loft soon to come. Um, but yeah, always much love to Studio One. A lot of magic made in that room, yeah. man. Um, but yeah, no, that first one hundred. Always shout out to you guys for being loyal and, and and supporting us and 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 just being great. And shout out to everybody who's joined the Patreon. And shout out to everybody who just listens. It's not even about just Patreon. Yep. If you listen to the podcast, every download matters. Is you guys are all awesome, and it's just been such a cool journey, and it's fun to just be on it and whatever opportunities come. I don't want to get on the soapbox rant, but it's just been a great few years of this shit, man. It's been a fun ride with you. Sir. Um, again, it's nobody I'd rather do it with. Uh, Absolutely, we, man. We've seen some crazy stuff, some cool stuff, some yeah. crazy opportunities. It's just been great. And I'm looking forward to a lot more of that stuff yep. in 2022 and beyond. And it's all because of awesome people like the folks listening right now. So, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, one of us is going to get into some fucked up shit and stick around. All right, friend, it's my turn to go first this week. My affirmative murder this week is the story of Tanisha Whitfield. Uh, my source was a article from the Washington Post. It was written by John W. Fountain. So shout out to that person. So friend, Tanisha Whitfield was a typical kid growing up in Washington, D.C. in the 90s. She was a former Girl Scout and pom-pom girl, which I think is like a young version of a cheerleader. And her family described her as a pretty happy-go-lucky kid. Tanisha was outgoing and well-liked by her peers, but unfortunately, things took a turn around age 14 for her when she became more rebellious, started skipping school, and hanging out with the wrong crowd. And She even had started running away several times, but she would always come back after a day. Mm -hmm. She was never gone for more than a day. In response to this behavior, her mother, Vanessa, enrolled Tanisha into a voluntary outreach and counseling program called Sasha Bruce House. So it's basically like a um, a center for at-risk teens. Okay. Is it just for, is it male and female? I or? think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I don't want to, I don't know that for sure, but it didn't say just for girls. Right. So I think it was just for teens across the board. And things seemed to be going pretty well for Tanisha after about four days at the center. However, on Friday, July 5th in 1996, Tanisha placed a phone call while she was at the center. And then shortly after hanging up the phone, she just walked off the premises. Hmm. Which, you know, everybody thought was weird, but they didn't, they didn't stop her. Yeah. Counselors called Vanessa immediately, who's her mom. They called Vanessa immediately and told her what happened. She notified the authorities. And when, when Tanisha didn't show up the next day, as she usually would whenever she would have these rebellious stages, like she, like she would always go for the night, come back the next day. Mm-hmm. But this time, it's the next day and she's not back. This is when her mother feared the worst. That day on July 6th, Police in Howard County, Maryland, discovered a severely burned body in a stolen Honda Accord in the 9700 block of Covered Wagon Drive Mm. in North Laurel. Whitfield heard the news reports, but it never dawned on her that it might be her daughter because police described the victim as a woman 
and Tanisha was just a 14-year-old girl. So Vanessa and her boyfriend, Sam, continued to look for Tanisha, combing their neighborhood in the Washington area, and they also hung up missing posters and passed out flyers. Meanwhile, unbeknown to her family, Tanisha's body was lying in a morgue in Baltimore. Yeah, they don't even know. They, they don't, don't even know, because they're just like, well, Tanisha's a girl. This is, they're saying this is a woman, so don't even worry about that. Let's, we, we, she's alive. We're going to find her. All right. About a month later, Whitfield received a call from a woman whose daughter had also been missing, but returned home safely. She told Vanessa that in her search for her own daughter, she had been made aware of a badly burned body of a female lying in a morgue in Baltimore uh, for the last month. Mm. Whitfield reluctantly called the morgue. The coroner asked for Tanisha's dental records. And a couple of days later, she got the results that it was, in fact, Tanisha. That's a... Um that's one. That's the situation. I'd be like, I don't know if I want to make that call or not. Yeah, like let me look. Let me look. Let me look a, a little longer. Yeah. Let me just do one last look. Just hope I'd rather keep in my mind that she's missing still than yeah. know that she's gone. Right. So I get that for sure. That's that's that sounds devastating. That to to be told like, yeah, there's a body that hasn't been identified, and the body you remember the body mm. was found the day after Tanisha was missing, and it's been a month. Tanisha's still not found, and this body has has still not been recovered. Right. So you probably should check. Right. And it's like, oh God, no, badly burned body, deceased yeah. body, and so yeah. But her worst fears were proven true, and it was in fact Tanisha. Like I said, Vanessa said that she couldn't believe it was her kid. It was like her whole heart was ripped out. The autopsy showed that Tanisha had been shot before the car was set on fire, which mm. is better. Uh, Whenever I, whenever we do these stories, and we've done so many stories about ca- bodies being found in burned cars or bodies being found in burnt out houses, it it f- oddly makes me feel better when they go and we did some, we did the autopsy and they were shot in the head, because like burning alive is just so, it's like it might be the most evil way to kill somebody. Yeah, to trap somebody in a in a house, car, whatever, and light it on okay. fire and they just can't get out and it it just is awful. So the idea that like. No, they didn't suffer in that way. That it it, it brings me comfort in a weird way. Yeah. So to when they said she was shot, it's like okay, well, thank at least she didn't suffer that it. fate too. You know, there was no evidence that she had been sexually assaulted, but the severity of the burns probably would have made such evidence undetectable according to officials. Mm. So it was fourth degree. I mean, it was like down to the bones. She was. Damn. It was a severely burned body. So like, even in the autopsy, some stuff you just won't be able to tell if it happened or not. Right. The family believes some ongoing tension following a fight Tanisha had months earlier with another girl outside uh, Suitland High School may have had bearing on her slang, which is so like petty and dumb. And, you know, if that if that is what happened, because they're all there's 14 kids, freshmen in high school. Although authorities say they interviewed hundreds of people, a killer was never brought to justice in the slang of Tanisha Whitfield. The case remains an open homicide investigation. Mm. Vanessa Whitfield canvassed all over D.C. and Laurel, where Tanisha was found, for years. She said she would keep searching for answers until an arrest was made. Um, again, this happened in 1996. I've not, I was not able to find any current news on whether or not she personally is, her mother, Vanessa, is still canvassing, even still alive. It was weird. Like I couldn't find any current news on her so is it closed they closed no the case case is not closed and that as a matter of fact just in march of this year howard county released a statement with like 
10 to 20 unsolved cases that are like we're we're hoping to breathe new life into these cold cases mm. and Tanisha's was one of them good so there's it's still open they're still hoping that they can solve it yeah right but yeah her mom for years after after the murder would not rest she was canvassing areas pu- putting up um flyers mm. you know there was a, a you know with rewards and stuff for information cuz her you know it's her kid and yeah. there's no answers and you know there's no finality to it when you somebody needs to be brought to justice yeah. right but it never happened uh Vera Johnson who was the associate director at Sasha Bruce which is the center yeah at Sasha Bruce described Vanessa as an amazing woman and offered her support and prayers in her mission 26 years later Tanisha would have been just 40 years old she wouldn't even have been that old you wow. know it was just crazy she would have been just 40 years old today Howard County police are hoping Tanisha's case among others will be able to be re- revived they think that with the amount of time that has passed people that may have not been willing to speak on the record with information for whatever reasons back then may be more willing to come forward today which yeah, is like the phone call anybody mentioned the phone call oh who she talked to who she yeah, yeah. no you know mm. but they're hopeful that maybe you know I mean Less, I mean, if we're being honest, here, here's my theory, and it's a theory, and theories are theories, right? Uh, Washington, D.C., especially in the 80s and 90s, today, still, there's a lot of, uh, how do I, what's the word? It's, 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 it's sex trafficking, but in another world, they would call it, like, young girls doing sex work, mm. like, girls being out on the streets to make money, but it's sex, tra- it's sex trafficking. Like they're underage, they don't have any agency to to offer their body up to adults. Mm-hmm. But that happens a lot. A lot of runaways are are doing are doing that, mm-hmm. you know, to make money, to be on the streets. Sometimes it's just like it's what my friends are doing. Like this is just like what we do. It's where we make money, but we buy drugs or whatever. So I think it's possible that Tanisha fell into when they say the wrong crowd. She might have fell into a crowd that was in the drug scene, maybe doing sex work. Again, I'm, I know I'm not using that term properly because she was 14 years old, but I'm just saying like she's when she's running away, that might be the world that she was in. Mm-hmm. And she might have got a phone call from a friend, girl, we're going to go do this, make this move, come do this, whatever. And she went, and it might have been a setup. It could have all stemmed back to the fight at the school and somebody that she thought was her friend invited her somewhere, True. but the person that she talked to, she trusted. Yeah. Invited her somewhere, shit went wrong, or it was a John. And again, I know I'm not using that word properly because she was underage and whatever, right? But I'm just, I'm just, this is just the theory and I don't, I don't know the words. I don't know all the words. But it could have been a phone call from somebody, a, a customer or however you want to say, I don't know, who offered her money to do this or whatever. And then they meet up, shit goes wrong and she, she was murdered. And then they put her in a car or stole a car or whatever and took the car somewhere far away and lit it on fire, you know, like, um, that's the part that makes me not think it was. Uh, was it like over twenty years ago, right? Yeah, it was nineteen ninety six. Twenty six years. That dude's probably whoever it is, probably long gone. Yeah. Again, it's, it could be another situation where he's in jail for something else. Yeah. He got caught doing something else, and now he's just like, I don't need to. I don't. I got. I got arrested for like a rape, and I'll be out in in five years, and so I will never say what happened to Tanisha. Yeah. I didn't get caught for that one. It could be like because it, I don't think it was a high school fight because no. of the fact that it was a stolen car and it was driven far away and burned. This wasn't high school kids. This wasn't some angry kid. You know what I mean? Like this was an adult. I just feel that. And I think it was an adult who 
was taking advantage of girls who were on the street selling yeah. their bodies. So I don't. I, th- I think I think whoever killed Tanisha has killed before, or at least hurt girls before, because I don't think she was the first girl that was a victim of his. Yeah, I think it was an adult who was a serial assaulter of minors who were out on the streets. So that's my theory. And I don't have any facts to back that because the case is still open and it was never solved. And it's 26 years later and she was 14 years old. She got a phone call, like you said, while she was at a center that her mother sent her to to try to, you know, steer her back onto the right course. She got a phone call and she probably just thought she was going to go do something silly, which we've heard these stories before. You never, it's the thing about, it's the curse of youth, man. Like, you might be at the, your most vulnerable, especially a young girl. Even like us, we did some stupid shit in our teens. But like a young girl, way more vulnerable than a young boy. And the last thing on your mind is death or hurt, getting yeah. hurt or anything. And it's like you're the most vulnerable you could possibly be. You don't have any money. Nope. You have no way to like really protect yourself if something goes wrong. Yeah. You, like you don't have a driver's license or a car. Like you are the most vulnerable person ever. But you will happily at 14, 15 years old, get on a bus, go somewhere you've never been before, yeah. hop off and be like, man, where's the party at? You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's something weird about that invincible feeling that you have when, it, when you're at that most vulnerable point in your life. But yeah. it's, you, you never, you I, I've, I've, never, yeah, I've yeah. never felt that more. So, so many times we've like, let's just walk there. How yeah. far is it? 10 miles? You walk there. It's like, well, there's no way we can. And it's now 11 o'clock at night. We can't walk back to where we started from. But when it was five o'clock, and the prospect of like a party with girls and this, that, and the third was, yeah. was like, just, just, walk, just walk the 10 miles. Yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be fine. We drove two hours and didn't tell nobody where we was going. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, we drove, to, we drove into the middle of Pittsburgh or so. I don't even know what that part, where we were in a 95 Nissan Maxima that I'd never changed the oil in. And just, and we're, and we're lying. <laughs> Told people we were in, at our friend's house just chilling and we we're in another state. Oh, man. I don't, I didn't, I was working at Abercrombie <laughs> at the time. So I had no money. <laughs> Might've had just enough money to put gas in the car. Right. Couldn't fucking, if you would have got a hurt, we couldn't pay a hospital bill. Nothing. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like it was so yeah. dumb. If shit would have went left, man. It'd have been bad. <laughs> if the car would have just shut off, like if the car would just been like, out of oil, like whatever the whatever cars cars do when that happens, like burn up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we just would have been stuck in Pittsburgh. Oh, but we man. didn't think about that. We're like, uh, oh man, Swayze, man, we're yeah, fucking buzzing. <laughs> I'm buzzing. You're buzzing. We're all gonna be buzzing tonight. And I was driving a car that just months later I had to fucking throw into neutral and rev the gas <laughs> to keep it from shutting off. That could have been us. And <laughs> it was just months oh, away man. from that. So that's the that's type of crazy. dumb shit you do, man. So she got a phone call and she did some dumb teenage thing. She she left this center early, even though she knew her mom was going to come pick her up or whatever the situation may be. And and she didn't think about danger. It just is not a thing that you think about when you're a kid. And unfortunately, she went and answered that phone call and went yeah. to wherever that person told her to go to. And then she never came back home, you know. But rest in peace to Tanisha Whitfield and prayers to the entire Whitfield family. Um, much respect to her mother, Vanessa, for just never giving up. You know, I don't really know. Again, I didn't, I wasn't able to find any updates as, as close to 2022 from mm-hmm. her. Like I said, Howard County, Maryland is, has put out a statement this month saying they, they're still hopeful that maybe somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who might have been apprehensive to speak yeah. in 1996 is now 40 maybe she's still fighting maybe she's still putting it, putting a word out there yeah i hope so i would i would imagine yeah. if she's st- i would imagine because if 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 tanisha whitfield would be 40 today her mom would probably be something around in her 60s yeah so she it's not it's not 
unreasonable to think she's still alive and right. healthy and, and, and out there canvassing for her daughter still. Um, but I wasn't able to find anything. So that's a bummer. But like I said, I am hopeful that somebody who might've been 14 back then who might've known something and just got caught up and didn't think it was going to go that way, but decided to not say anything for their own safety or because they were scared that whoever did that to, to, to Nisha would do that to them. Now you're 40. It's 2022. This has probably been weighing on your conscious conscience. Come forward and say something, you know, like put this to rest, put Tanisha's spirit to rest, like bring somebody to justice. If you know something, say something, you know? So I'm, there, that's what Howard County's hopeful for. So, and I'm hopeful too. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the story of Tanisha Whitfield. I just, um, I just thought it was like a, it's like a sad story. And there's so many, like, there was a, there was a string of missing girls in DC in the 1980s, like, um, and murdered like they they never came home you know so dc has this long history of um <clears throat> again i don't i don't know the it's sex trafficking it's sex trafficking if you are working the streets and you have a pimp or some or somebody's coerced you into doing this and you're under the age of 18 it's sex trafficking but it, it there's a lot of young girls being sex trafficked in the chicago in in the dc area and it's been happening for generations it's been happening since the 80s and probably before then so they have this long history of this kind of stuff happening. So I don't know, girl, run, runaways, getting caught up in lifestyles and all this stuff. So this one, and it's close. DC's right down the street. Yeah. And it's like, DC's such an interesting place because it's every city really, but like it's so corporate and money and cool bars and this, but then underneath of that is this, it's just whole different world. Yeah. One of my favorite documentaries is called Check It. And it's about this gay street gang called the Check It. And they live in D.C. and they fuck people up. But they fuck people up, dudes that are like, man, y'all are gay. And they'll be like, okay, all right, well, I can <laughs> fight too. And yeah. they fuck people up. And a lot of the, a lot of the kids in the gang are sec- do sex work. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's again, it's not the right word, but they're 16 years old, you know, and they go out at night and sell their bodies to grown men, you know. So it, it's like it's, it's also a part of the culture of D.C., that so this one hit close to home and i thought it was like man this 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 is sad this girl and again i don't know she was doing that but i'm just saying it's a theory i I think it's possible that she if she wasn't doing it she was in in the world a little bit you know like the wrong crowd type of situation so it's possible based on where she was so um yeah man tadisha whitfield rest in peace and uh yeah that's all i got got any questions no it's just something about those stories where it's like um like, I, I, I love doing cold cases, but it's just, it's something about that person just being still, something about just that person still being out there gets gets yeah. to me in a different way just for some That this person, because this person ruined a whole family. A whole family, and it's just like, she even if even if he's not in whatever, he's just like living his, he, living their life. My brain always goes to, also Tanisha was a big sister to two, to two younger sisters, so yeah, a lot of people... Her yeah. younger sister was their birthdays were three days apart, but my brain always goes to on these when you talk about cold cases. It's like depending on the severity of the murder, it tells you a lot about the possibility that they went on to do this x amount of more times, you know. And Tanisha being murdered, put in a car that was stolen, dri- driven mm. to another county, and then the car being lit on fire, tells me this is a person that's not unfamiliar with murder. Yeah. But I mean, they still live day to day on whatever they, 
do with their lives. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they still, laughed like, and, and still and following, had a, had a still, cold beer. And, yeah, still yeah. following the, watching the news. I just, yeah. I just picture that's, that's just what they're, they followed in the end. It's just yeah. like. Seeing, probably still lived oh, around, just, the, probably still lived crazy. around the area, saw the flyers that her yeah. mother put up, you know, of missing and, and then information posted later Walk past on. that person all yeah. something. Don't even know. All of that. But also for me, it's like, and it's the same thing with wrongful convictions. I talked about this with Maggie Freeling where it's like, when you put somebody in prison and they didn't do it, the person who did do it is still out there. Yeah. And if if their MO was something that seemed like it could be easily repeated, then that person's still out there and they could have done this, they could have done this who knows more times. Yeah. So it's it it the 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 effects of wrongful convictions go so much deeper than like you ruin this person's life. It's like you ruin this person's life, but you also could have ruined 10 families lives because the person who didn't get caught went on and killed three more people and you know what i mean so it's like um yeah cold cases and wrongful convictions man like the the what's left in the wake of those things is it's so much deeper than just that person yeah like yes uh tanisha whitfield her case was not solved but that means a person who killed a 14 year old girl put her body in a car drove it to another county lit the car on fire is still free yeah. and has been free for 26 years and maybe he was caught for something else in 1996, the, a month after he killed Tanisha. He's still uh, free for that. He's still free for that. And who knows what he could have done in that time. Right. You know, so, yeah, man. Um, rest in peace to Tanisha Whitfield again. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. Stick around. My Affirmative Murder this week is about the story of Kenneth Granville. Mm. Kenneth Granville. 45 and was born on August 4th, 1950 in Fort Worth, Texas mm. with his half brother, Anthony Jones. They were both raised by his, his mother, Willie Mae Jones in a small house in Charlotte on, I'm sorry, on Charlotte street. Strong name. What? Uh, so, uh Willie, Willie, Willie Mae. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So it sounds like she's got a mean, uh, uh, potato whipping. On. Probably, probably strong single mother that raised two boys. Oh man, Mozart. I bet she can smother some turkey like nobody's business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from an early age, Granville was considered odd and an antisocial child, and was often by himself at an early age, mm -hmm. and maybe had a few friends, but never interacted with girls. On March twenty second of nineteen sixty seven, Granville entered his mother's bedroom where he grabbed her by her throat oh. and attempted to rape her. Oh, my God. Yeah. How old was he? This was in... What year uh, was it? 17. He's born 50. This is happening in 67. 67? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. So many issues. So much to unpack there. Yeah. His mother. Yep. Wow. His own mother. Yep. So he grabbed her by her throat and attempted to rape her. During their scuffle, he snapped out of it. He snapped out of whatever he was darkness he was in at the moment or whatever sure. he snapped out of it doing a little fight that they had and um he stumbled to the front yard and collapsed and his mother called the police on him and um at 16 so i was like maybe he just maybe before he turned 17 yeah at the age of 16 he was taken in, into custody by the police because of his odd behavior he was temporarily held at the john peter smith hospital where he stayed for 10 days then released Released to where? Just back out into the streets. But I've been saying not not to his mom's house, right? Oh no, yeah, it's like that's done no, here. No, 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 no. That's like yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, even I mean, a a, a mother. You, if you steal the TV, you might even have a chance of 
you know, you steal the TV and pawn the TV, you still got a chance of coming back home. Yeah. That, you're done. You're done. You're done. No, no, you ain't, he has nowhere to go. So after being temporarily released, Granville attempted to sexually assault his brother. Oh, what? Yeah. After that, he went to, uh, he was sent to Gatesville State School where he spent the next two and a half years. So it's like a, like a, like a juvenile. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, wow. again, he's off the jump. He was like, oh, this is an odd kid. Doesn't talk. Stay to himself. Yeah. Attempted to rape his mother. Mother. And attempted to rape his, his, his brother. <sighs> that is, what's that? What's what? Like, what's the psychology of that? I have man? no idea, man. Wow. I, I have no idea. Jeez. The two people closest to you, that's wild. Yeah. That's wild. That's n- wow. And your mom, that who brought you into this world. Yeah, man. That is like, that, I've heard of, I've heard of, you know, I think it's, that's the Oedipus complex. Like, you're in love with your mother. Like, that's not a foreign, co- now, trying to rape your mother is insane. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, um, a lot of people might have, and I, I think I'm pretty, pretty sure it's the Oedipus complex. Um, there's some kind of complex where it's like you, you, you're, you're in love with your mother, so you look for your mother and women. So you, you, the women that you date might have a lot of similarities to your. I don't mother. think that have anything to do with with with, the, with this. Yeah. Oh, only because he tries to assault directly to assault his, his mother, his mother and his and his brother. So it's just that's like, what I mean. That's he's why just going through. Like, yeah, he's just he's it's something his his urge that he has was like I don't give a shit who it is. Well, he does seem to give a shit who it is. It's got to be related. Well, family matters. Yeah, I mean, just for those two, yeah, plenty more victims, and it's just like true for it sure. It's just like he's at a young age. He was like, "Well, I don't know. I'm well, cool. I, I live I with these people. I, yeah, nobody. I don't talk to anybody. Right? Wow, you think? Wow, you think it was that simple? Like, is, these yeah. are the people I talk to. Them. These are they, people they're I see here, the most. So, yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll bring up another reason why when I when I get to them. Okay. So after his after his release again, Granville found steady work. Um, at a letter manufacturing company where he was described as a reliable and kind employee. So I don't know. There wasn't a timeline of, you know, when he was released until he found steady work, but based on, you know, what I'm about to read, it sounds like he's a totally different person from two years of being at the school. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he got that, that, that new job. Mm -hmm. He was in the seventies now. Yeah. So he was described as a reliable and kind employee. His neighbors considered him friendly towards children and very active in church activities and was overall considered a person, um, uh, considered a good person by his friends and his acquaintances. So, mm. I mean, I this dude, unless this he was putting up some type of facade. That's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he was doing. I just yeah. thought, hey, man, I was giving the benefit of the doubt. I thought he changed. I thought he was a change man. I thought he went in. He was young. I mean, but two years. But he went in. Maybe got some helps. I mean... The crimes that he committed, yeah, I just feel like are such a sign that something is like fundamentally broken in this person. Where I don't know if it can be fixed. Yeah, man. Attempting I, to rape your mother is yeah. like not a whoopsie. That's not a uh, you know a young kid stealing right. a car, right. being led down the wrong path. Like something is in broken. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm wrong because I'm doing this story. So. Yeah. Uh, yes. It's giving very much. Yes. Uh, he he just was a normal everyday guy until he wasn't. Like that. That's what you just read. Like. Letter opener guy. Yeah, but I mean, he Church. Was, the kids loved him. But I mean, he was, they, they say he was odd. And then it was like, oh, now and he wasn't odd. Now he went away for a couple, two years. Now, now he's, he's, he could talk to he people. He has a job. Social. He's, he's very socially active. Stephon Urkel. Outgoing all of a sudden. And just like. Stefan Urkel. Yeah. 
So at one point, uh, he was drafted to serve as a machine gunner in Vietnam, but was later dishonorably discharged after being accused of being of beating up fellow soldiers. Damn. At that time, he was dating Evelyn Evelyn Gold, the oldest of three sisters belonging to the McLendon family, who later reported Granville was would sometimes be very violent toward her in arguments. Mm. So on October eighth, nineteen seventy four. I mean, shit's get this shit. Shit gets real. October eighth, nineteen seventy four. Granville was driving around Riverside Village apartment complex when he got a sudden urge to have sex with one of the McLendon sisters again. That's not his one, that he, the girl that he's dating. Right. Wow. Um, 21-year-old Laura, he drove to the apartment, knocked on the front door, and was let in to have a glass of water. She was, hey. They, but okay, they, but, that's, but that's my sister's boyfriend. That's my, they already have a prior yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is our relationship. Sure. He's, he, he knows the family. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, hey, I'm thirsty. Not, not unusual. There's nothing, it's nothing, right. Yeah. It's not unusual, so there's nothing to it. You know, that's what she thought. Yeah. At the time, the apartment was occupied by Laura, her 19-year-old sister, Linda, 24-year-old cousin, Martha, and two children, Stephen and Natasha. Okay. Both two years old. He went to the kitchen where Laura and Stephen were, where Laura, Laura and Stephen were, I guess, you know, just in the kitchen talking or whatever, or mm-hmm. making food, whatever. Grabbed a steak knife and ordered the pair into the bedroom where he told Laura to tie up her son with a telephone cord. After the other family members came into the and came into investigate, they were all tied up and gagged. So everybody was there, all the the sisters and all of them was there. The kids and he got everybody to tie each other up, and it was like okay, except for the one girl, Laura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, he then led Laura to another room. Sure, where he began to rape her. Wow. At that time, Natasha, who was baby, who was a baby girl, mm-hmm. started crying. It just it did something to him. It did something yeah. to him where it's like, oh, Natasha started crying. And prompt Granville to to start stabbing her. She's a two year old two year old girl. This is the daughter. Oh, so daughter. he he like he stopped raping yeah. Laura and then went and attacked the baby. Yes, yeah, st- attacked the baby. Wow. Started stabbing her before tossing the body onto the floor, stabbing it some more times. Oh wow! Wow! Yep. Wow! Um, I did in an, in in uh in a New York Times article, um, just reading over that he said that, uh, in court he was he said that. When he stabbed the little girl, Natasha, he said he could not stop himself from killing Natasha. He said, quote, I can see it happening, but there was nothing I could do about it. He said, I could see myself stabbing this little girl I used to play with and I used to buy candy for. So he's saying like he dissociated, like like he wasn't there, but he was there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So next came Linda, who he strangled to death with a piece of cloth. Before moving on to Steven. Everybody's tied up, right? Every, everybody's tied so up. They're just going down the line. It's going down the line. Wow. Um, before moving to Steven, who was a two-year-old boy, who was shoved into a closet and stabbed so many times that the knife's handle broke. Jesus. After acquiring another knife from the kitchen, he continued to rape Laura before fatally stabbing her to death. After this, he and the only surviving member, Mar- Martha, talked for some time in the same room. He just killed her cousin. Before... He proceeded to stab her to death as well. Oh. Granville then emptied, uh, emptied out their purses of all the money and valuables he could find, and left the and left the apartment. And this was all just off of some kind of he just got up something. He told was just him. driving around. It was like, and 
I want to have sex with one of sex. the sisters. Yeah. And ended up killing and everybody. And then go to the apartment, and then all of them are there. All of them are there. They were all later found when um, the family's stepfather arrived to take the two women to their job at the furniture store. Despite his personal connection with the family, Granville was never considered a suspect. And two Mexican nationals were also arrested for their brutal crime instead. According, wow. Yeah. According to uh, later testimonies from friends and coworkers, he occasionally discussed the murders, saying that the man who did it ought to be hung. So he was talking third person and shit, acting like he ain't, you know, you know how that shit go. That's wild. That's crazy. They say that's like um, a little test. Like if, if you feel like somebody is the guilty party, mm-hmm. ask them what should happen to the person when they get caught. That's a tactic a lot of um, like interrogators use. Really? They're, yeah, they'll go like, what do you think should happen when we find the guy that kidnapped your daughter? Well, you know, I mean, if is he sorry? If he's sorry, then, you know, jail. Because like, you know, eight years in jail, I think. Eight years in jail and then that's, you know. Mm-hmm. But a person who didn't has nothing to do with it be like i'll fucking put me in a room with i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna kill yeah, him yeah. you know what i mean like so it's interesting you know that mm. he's he goes oh he's, this person whoever did that hang him yeah hang that guy that guy hang him high, hang him high and hang him fast yeah i say fuck off on october 8th 1975 feeling the urge to kill again granville granville lured a friend of his 24-year-old Betty Williams into his apartment on the pretense of giving her a package of cigarettes. While she was browsing through the the drawers in his bedroom, Granville crept up behind her and this this sound like sound like like he's a hawk or something. He crept up behind her and turned her upside down. Temporarily dissing her. Yeah. Like he like grabbed her by her her feet and like Flipped her around, flipped upside, her upside down, like a kid. Is he big? I never even heard no shit like that. I don't know. Never even heard no. no shit I never like heard that. of that being a technique <laughs> of a. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. No, that's wild. That's some wild shit. That's something you do to a two-year-old. Yeah. Just grab a, a grown person by and the ankles and just flip them. And now they're upside down. Yeah. Wow. He then took off her, took off her clothes and began raping her, but he was interrupted by his friend. 21-year-old Vera Hill, who had come to ask him about some income tax. Before she could enter the apartment, Granville managed to go to the kitchen and grab a knife, then lunged at her, stabbing the woman in the chest. Jesus. And he then continued to stab her in the chest, the stomach, and the back until she fell to the ground. Before going back, before going back to the bedroom, where he continued his assault on Williams, whom he also beat and stabbed. It's just... It's so chaotic and erratic. Yeah, like, yeah. He just is, lunges at this woman, kills her, goes back to assaulting the other one. Like, it's just... It, it sounds like, as much as I don't want to say this, it sounds like he's actually just like... A maniac. Bl- like blank, mania. He's blanking out, though. Yeah. Like, he's just like... he's he. I don't want to bail him out by saying like he has no control, but it's like he this like this dude doesn't even, doesn't even know he's doing this. Yeah, it's like this. pure adrenaline. And it's like, crazy. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's like going after everybody in sight. Yeah. That's, that's wild. While she was still breathing, Granville left the apartment and drove around, drove around town before deciding to stop at a friend's house where he asked to be let in to use the phone. Once he was let inside, he raped his friend's mother and kept Jesus the other family Christ. members under, under watch. Jesus. 
before finally kidnapping one of the daughters and fleeing back to his apartment. There, he raped her, but suddenly stopped when he heard a commotion coming from the bedroom. The other lady's still there. When he checked in, he found that Williams was still alive and attempted to stop the bleeding caused from her wounds. Wow. Only for Granville to tell her to stop it, which she did, and she died of her. She died because of her injuries. Wow. So there's two there's two bodies there when he brings the girl that he kidnapped kidnapped there. Right? Yeah. Wow. 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 Out out of of an apparent feeling of guilt, Granville forced his rape victim into the car where they drove to the local pilgrims, um, Galilee Baptist Church and picked up the presiding pastor, Reverend Roy Lee Spearman. On the way to the police station, Granville said that he wanted to be taken out of society and he did not want to harm any more innocent people. Hmm. Once they arrive at the station, Granville and Spearman asked for a homicide detective to which Detective F.D. Ralston responded and brought Granville to the office. Wait, so he went to this priest and, and confessed? Do you think the priest knew before he got to the precinct? I feel like nah, they, I don't think so. You don't think he knew? Oh, wait. He, yeah, I think so. I yeah, feel like yeah, he probably yeah, confessed yeah. to him. He got, and, some, he got some random victim in the car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like maybe the he confesses to the priest and maybe the priest goes like, you should turn yourself in. Probably. And maybe... Or even Probably. if that was a thought he had, like he nudged him more in that direction. I think so. I think if he w- if he says like he wants to be taken out of society, I think he went and told that. Like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah you should. Let's take. Let's yeah. go to the. Let's go to the. I'll go with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To go with him. And there, Granville took out a took out a pistol and a butcher knife, which is weird because he had a gun on him the whole time and didn't never used a gun. It was all. Well, I mean, he respects the church. What are you talking? About? Oh, you're saying like, talking about his, and then his victims. victims. He never Got used it, a gun. Yeah. Granville took out a pistol and a butcher knife, placed them on the table, and asked for Lieutenant Oliver Ball, the lead detective investigating the Riverside Village murders. Ball, along with District Attorney Rufus Adcock, were called into the office. In front of all three of three of them, Granville readily confessed to all seven murders. Mm. Following his confession, Granville was immediately de- immediately detained. On the next day, he led officers to his apartment where they discovered Williams and Hill's bodies. As a result, he was later charged with seven counts of capital murder and one count of ag- aggravated rape, which made him eligible for the death penalty. As part of a routine investigation, Granville was investigated as a potential suspect in other killings committed in the Texas area, including the, including the then unsolved murder of Carla Walker. While he was ruled out in several, he was considered a credible suspect in two the 1967 murder of 30-year-old Mildred May, which is still an open open case, yeah. whose nude and, and battered body was found along I-35 West North Fort Worth, which is the area that he's he, he lives in. Yeah. Since he had already been questioned in the death at the time, the officers, I mean, sorry, the others was the 1974 murder of 18-year-old Cheryl Calloway, which is also, also still unsolved, who was stabbed 47 times with an ice pick in a parking lot in Arlington, which sounds like his M.O. For sure. Um, Just berserk. Right. Chaotic, messy, violent. Um, However, he was never charged with either murder, both of which remain unsolved. Now, the first one I mentioned with Carla Walker, somebody confessed to that. I looked that one up. Somebody confessed to that murder. So um, he didn't didn't do that. Yeah. Um, And the other one was Cheryl Calloway. 
who was stabbed 46 times. Just crazy. Yeah. Um, that sounds like something he I, w- I wouldn't have done. The only thing I would say is that, like, as weird as it sounds, mm-hmm. like, he's, he seemed pretty upfront about the seven. Right. What if he, like, forgot he did, though? Because he like blacks out. Yeah. If you if we if we're going with that, I, I, that's possible for sure. It out the violence of that forty seven times. I don't rule. I don't rule. I wouldn't put it past him. But because he just confessed. Yeah. True. To these seven, true. it it makes me go like, why wouldn't he confess to to all of them? Right. But I don't. I don't, I can't get in his mind. This is a, this is a crazy person. Right. Yeah, I tried to rape his mom. Yeah. So I can't try to be like well i mean like i know that if i told my mom i stole something i'd tell her all the stuff i stole i can't make some kind of false comparison right to where logically it makes sense to me i can't get in this guy's head so it does there's no point in me trying right he might have he might have killed 10 people but he just decided to confess to these seven yeah so in granville's later trial numerous witnesses came forward to testify regarding his odd behavior before before and after the murders including gold who was the first witness brought forward. Just days after the trial, Justice Tom Cave allowed the prosecutors to admit to admit Granville's, Granville's four-page long confession as evidence over the objections of his attorneys. During the trial, conflicting testimony was given regarding Granville's sanity as psychiatrists on the, on the defense claimed that he was a paranoid schizophrenic driven by uncontrollable sexual impulses. While the prosecuting Side claimed that he was well aware of what he did. It's like I'm on, I'm in the middle of that. I think the diagnosis that you just read is exactly what was yeah. wrong with him. Yeah. So does that make him not fit to stand trial? If that does, then that's messed. Then then not messed up. But if that if that does, I agree with what you just read. Yeah. Like he is definitely a a, a person who has some kind of schizophrenic ten- tendencies, driven by. Uh, sexual impulses like yeah. that is for sure what's wrong with this guy so if that makes him um not fit to stand trial then it just is what it is but he's not normal he's not right. like a normal guy right like i agree with that too but like i said well, like i was i say i'm in the middle did you, only you said did you say schizophrenic i don't because i don't want to like yeah, yeah i don't, don't want to demonize if that's not what you said you said they paranoid schizophrenic paranoid schizophrenic yeah okay got it, got it. and like i said i agree with that but the reason why i say i'm in the middle is because i feel like when i say he doesn't no, but he he doesn't he's not aware of what he was doing. It's like I feel like I'm bailing him out a little bit. Yeah. But he does confess and say, you know, I did this and I shouldn't be I shouldn't be out here. Yeah. And I so think that I he, think to so recognize to that, that he he is aware of what he did. Exactly. Yeah, but I think to recognize that doesn't necessarily make you sane. If you're saying I did these things I can't control it and I need to be taken off the street because I'll keep doing it. That's almost saying like, I don't have any control over this. And I recognize that. I don't know if, you know, there's this thing like, but they say crazy people don't know they're crazy. That's a thing that you hear a lot when people, people justify like, you know, people pretending to be crazy. They Mm -hmm. go crazy. People don't know they're crazy. So if this, so what you're saying is this guy going, I did these things and I need to be taken off the street. That's him acknowledging that he did something. So therefore he, you're you're fifty fifty about him being paranoid, schizophrenic, or whatever, or not being fit to stand trial, or be, not being aware. You're fifty fifty about it because he confessed. That was you're saying. Yeah. But it's like, if I don't know how true crazy people don't know they're crazy is. 
Because yeah. if you go, I know I'm not, I know I'm not normal. And I recognize that. And I recognize I can't stop doing what I'm doing. But you can still be crazy and, and have those thoughts. I think Joe from you is a good example. He's not real, but I'm just saying like, he knows he's not normal. Right. But he still continues to kill people. Yeah. He justifies it and all the stuff that he does, he, you know, he finds. That's what crazy people do. That's what crazy people do. But you can also go, but I know that this isn't normal. Right. I think Joe he, has that he's too. He's well aware of what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. But he just doesn't, he, he finds the righteousness in it. Even if he goes, this would be wrong normally, but not with my reasons. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a gray area type of thing. Trying, like, what, trying to justify that what he's doing is okay. Yeah. yeah. Even if he goes, I know this I is, know I know this is wrong, but not when I do it. This is very different, obviously. But I'm just saying like, if he's going, yes, I did kill people and I recognize that I killed people. But does that not make me crazy because I recognize that I kill people? I can still be a paranoid schizophrenic who's driven by sex and go, mm-hmm. I'm a paranoid schizophrenic who's driven by sex. I know those things. I know that, but I still do it. I don't know if that rules you out from being what you are. Because you mean, know it. I don't, I don't know. Because some of the stuff is like, it's very, you know, he's very explosive with some of his attacks. Yeah. But one of the attacks is like, Okay, tie everybody up. I sure. feel like that's the time where you can go. Okay, I know calculated. This. Yeah, this is not. I know this is not going well. This is not. This, I shouldn't be doing this. But you do take your time with every person in the house. Like that's. I don't. I feel like that's crazy. The yeah. lady that came to the door, he just stabbed her outright. Yeah, that was erratic. I, that's that's right, erratic. Yeah. I, get, I get that. But it's like the other tying one up. was like tying him up, and then you you go one by one. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. So Granville himself, who had pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, said before the jury, before the jury that while he acknowledged he was wholly responsible for his killings, he was unable to control himself in the moment. In the end, he was unanimous, unanimously convicted by a jury by a jury verdict, who recommended that he be that he be given the death penalty. Mm. His sentence was automatically appealed, but later upheld to the by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals the following year. With his initial execution date set for September 14, 1977, Granville was scheduled to be the first inmate to be executed under Texas' new lethal injection protocol. Mm. This motion was challenged by his attorneys, who argued that this was unconstitutional, as they considered it even more cruel than the previous method of electrocution. Interesting. Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. But it was new. <laughs> it was new. It was new, and that's lawyers doing doing lawyer stuff. Yeah, yeah. So eventually, they succeeded in granting him a stay of execution, allowing yeah. him to remain on death row for more than twenty years. Oh wow! But After, but you Texas never repealed execution, so I know that he could still. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like he wrote it out. If it was California, they'd be like, and in two thousand seven, they put a stay on all executions. Like, no, nah, Texas, we still we light them up here. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was on uh, remaining on death row for more than 20 years. After several delays and stays of execution, Granville was executed via lethal injection yeah. at the Huntsville unit on February 27, 19, 1996. Mm. He declined to make any final statements. That was the story of Kenneth <sighs> Granville. The last place you want to be on death row is Texas. Oh, like, oh, what's going to happen? It's not a chill. <laughs> oh, bitch, you can run. You can run, but you cannot hide. Yeah. Your lawyers can it may do be all wild, this, but yeah. it's gonna happen. These lawyers can do all their little jujitsu's that they want and put stays and appeals and all, 
But when we get to the end of the line, you're going to fry. Well, not fry. You're going to get injected because that's what we do here in Texas. Texas, man, it's like they get a kick out of it, man. And, you know, I'm I'm anti-death penalty. But it's interesting, like, you know, Texas is fucking crazy. But I think that they feel like being harsh on the death penalty makes people not commit crimes. But I don't, it doesn't. There's no statistics to back this up. People don't fear the death penalty when they go do stupid stuff, even if they end up facing it. Like it's not a deterrent. It's not a crime deterrent and it kills innocent people. So fuck the death penalty. Uh, Yeah, man, that was crazy. But again, it was interesting during, during the trial for him to say, I acknowledge that I did all these things, but I also couldn't control it. It's like, I mean, that is, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that I think they executed a criminally a criminally insane person. So he was six two. You could flip a person upside down for sure. Six two. Six two one ninety. Celine one ninety. Yeah. A little chick though, a little girl, a little lady, little five one, five two, five three lady. Mm-hmm. You could flip a. You could flip a. The imagery of that is crazy. That's what a bully does to a a first grader, and their lunch money falls all over the floor. Yeah, it's really a, yeah, it's a crazy move. I never heard anything like that done to an adult. But six two, that's a big guy. Six two one ninety, that's lean. Yeah, um, yeah, man, I think they executed a criminally insane person. I think he definitely wasn't uh, just some impulsive normal guy. No, he something was wrong with him, and something was wrong with him from an early age. And I think I think he should have been studied. What the fuck color is maroon? It's like a, a like a deep red. <laughs> Why do you guys I think it's like a burgundy. I think it's like a burgundy. Like brown? Yeah, like, like a brown, brown red, like a red brown. That was the color of his eyes? That's what he said. His eyes were bloodshot red. Uh, <laughs> if your eyes are this color, this is not cute. You're, yeah, this, like, this is demonic. He was the devil. That's what yeah, <laughs> he was possessed by the devil. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah man, that's, that's, that was a crazy story. Um, yeah, man. The shit with him and his mom I was like, oh shit, it's off the jump. I was like, yeah. oh, he's. This is one of those people. I feel like there there could have been something to gain from studying him. I don't. I'm sure they. I don't know if they did that, but he, you know, some you know, they interview these psychopaths and these serial killers, and sometimes you learn stuff. You come up with criminal profiles. You come up with things to look for in people and stuff. A guy that tries to sexually assault his mother at 17, 16, and yeah. then his brother when he gets out, and then goes on to do the other things that he did, but like that. That might be a, that might have been like a sign to what was to come. Yeah, if you but knew. Also, all these people were close to him, all of them. Oh yeah, because that was his girlfriend's family. Yeah, and then he had a couple friends that that just yeah friends came, came over. Has. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. He hurts the he hurts the ones closest yeah. to him. Um, that other part is interesting too about the thing where like when they switched over from the uh, electric chair to lethal injection, lawyers were going. We don't know what this is. You're poisoning our client. Like, <laughs> this is more dangerous than the electric chair. And now, you know, they call that like a more humane way mm-hmm. than the death. I mean, like now in hindsight. But at the time, that was like, again, lawyers, lawyers do whatever they got to do. So wait a minute, Your Honor, you're going to pump my client full of liquids we've never heard of? This is this is inhumane. You can't do this. That's crazy. got to try. It worked, though. Yeah. It's got, brought him yeah, some time. Fucking electrocuted. Yeah. Bought him some time, and if he had lived in any other state or like a lot of other states, good, he might have been able to ride it out till the till they like uh not abolish the death penalty because I don't know if they've done that in a moratorium. I think is what they call it. 
is moratorium, at least in California. I don't. I think they abolished the death penalty in some states. Obviously. How long is that? The more it's indefinite. Oh shit. An- another governor could be elected in California yeah, and then could lift it. the moratorium, but like it, the moratorium. Every day just start dropping like flies. Man, some like super conservative California governor. Get rid of all of them. Yeah. Get them all out. Of here. Yep. Could happen. It's a moratorium, so it can be lifted by a certain by, by somebody else. Need more room in the prisons. <laughs> well, yeah, man. I mean, Put listen, more of those people away. Listen, California. There's the right. The I don't. Wanna, I don't want to say right or wrong. A a certain type of governor will come in, vilify. That's going to be if they. There's a right way and a wrong way to solve the homelessness crisis that's going on in California right now, and the wrong way to do it is to arrest them. But it's possible that a governor could come along and just start wrangling them up off the streets and putting them in prisons. So, you know. People start moving. All those people moving out of there and they they taking over like apartment oh, yeah, buildings. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. People, like, people I mean, I, I think that, I think but that. I heard, I, mean, I heard it's like, it's like, you know, you got Skid Row and all that shit, but I heard it's like, it's like. It's spreading. It's like bad. It's like oh, yeah, everywhere yeah. you go, it's just yeah, like yeah. tents. And, yeah, yeah. It's the the. I think that the the Calif- the the California exodus was it was made a bigger deal than it than it is. Like people are leaving, but it's not as bad as it as it looks. But is it just but like I, if I'm paying the amount of money it costs to live in Los Angeles and there's homeless people everywhere, I, I'll go live somewhere cheaper that than than to deal with this is the is the mentality of a lot of people. But is it is it true that the homeless people are these people that had these dreams and just like failed? No. Is that <laughs> no, that's no, not no. true? I'm sure some people I'm sure some people might fall into that category. And that is Los Angeles is the city of broken dreams. There's a lot of people that went out there and thought they were going to be Tom Cruise and they ended up working at a gas station. Um but I think that a lot of a lot of it is a lot of it is, if we're going to be honest about it, there's a lot of people dealing with addiction, you know, and then there's a lot of people dealing with addiction who might have been dealing with addiction in Oregon, but they go, listen, if I'm going to be dealing with addiction, I might as well go somewhere where there's a beach and fucking it's nice all year round. Mm-hmm. That's the appeal of California where it's like, listen, I'm homeless. I'm, I, I have addiction problems and stuff like that, but like they sell drugs in California and it's like 85 degrees all year round. So if I'm going to be homeless. I'd rather not be, I'd rather be homeless somewhere where it doesn't rain. Yeah. You know? So it's interesting. I've heard some really interesting um, plans from potential go- potential governors in California and in Austin as well that sound interesting. And I like some of their plans talking about sending people like, you know, sending people. There was a there was a governor. I can't remember a guy, but he's a governor. He's a gubernatorial candidate. However you say the gubernatorial candidate in California. And he was saying these programs are going to cost a lot of money. So the first thing we need to do is, you know, send people back to where their state and tell the people, tell the states like, hey, these are your citizens. You need to be responsible for. How do you do that, though? Uh, that's the difficult. But this all is all difficult. That's why it's so hard. It's, it's such a difficult problem to tackle because you need social resources in place. This is the thing. This is my feeling about it. Shout out to Shirley Rains in California. She's on Skid Row every day, handing out McChickens and d- double cheeseburgers. And she's really on the street, in the trenches, helping these people, giving them candy bars, people with mental health issues, screaming at her. Even though she's doing this nice thing, they can't help it. It's like, I am struggling with my mental health. I know you're doing a nice thing, but like, fuck you, you bitch. It's like, they just can't help it, right? You need both sides. This is why we need, that's why this whole like, 
Democrat it, it has to end. It has to be abolished because you need the bureaucracy and the government money and the grants and all that stuff. And you need the fucking crunchy hippie uh, volunteer people on the streets talking to people. Everybody matter. You need both of those um, resources. They need to both be a part of this to solve the homeless problem. You need the people who are like, these are human beings. You can't just tear down their tents. It's like, yeah, you can't just tear, tear down their tents. But we, so we need to give them somewhere else to be that isn't a tent. Where does that come from, though? That comes from the bureaucratic side. That comes from the, the, the fiscally conservative side where it's like, who has the money? Mm-hmm. You need the money and the people. And really the, the, the people with the money and the people that are really the people in the trenches, they hate each other. You guys are dirty hippies. You guys are fucking elitist scum. It needs to be a, a joint force. You need both of them. And, and in the political climate that we're in, it just is kind of impossible. You need somebody like a Shirley Raines to link up with the millionaires and billionaires. And she goes, yeah, we need a clinic and we need a hotel staffing or we need like a, some kind of housing. And we can't tell them that they can't do drugs there because we need to slowly wean them. We need to help them recover from drug addiction as opposed to like, yeah, you can sleep here, but if you do drugs here, you can't stay here. It's like, well, you give people stipulations like that, then a lot of people aren't going to go to those places and they'd rather stay on the streets because at least they can continue to use their vices. So it's just a, it's like a very complicated issue. And what happens is people just go, well, just tell them to leave or like fucking get them. It's like, man, they're people, man. They don't have, they don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. So it's a, it's a a difficult um, problem, but I've heard some really interesting solutions as of late that I really am like, okay, there are people with some good ideas out there. We just need to get them the money and the resources and, put them in position to make a move. And I think we might be able to see some change and really help some people. Yeah. But you know, honestly at this point, I don't care, man. It's fall of Rome. Everything's burning. I told you rock 2024. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of lost all hope. So while I do get glimpses sometimes and sometimes it get, I get those glimpses of hope at, at the core of me, I'm in my pure nihilism phase where I'm like, it does, who gives a shit, man? None of this shit really, it doesn't matter, man. Like it, it's all done. It's all burning. Like who gives a fuck? It's too late. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of my default mode and maybe things will change. Maybe somebody will turn me around on that. But anyway, let's get let's, off of that last comment. Let's get into some good vibes, huh? Welcome back. It's our last good vibes, good vibes segment before 2022 Crime Con coming up. Yes, sir. So my good vibe this week was you got the um, burpees over there, man. Yeah, yeah. man. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you know what they say when you know when there when when you got a rumble in your tummy, you're coming into some money. Is that really no, I don't know. I just made that up just to make up for the fact that you're burping into the microphone. It's disgusting. Oh, I'm sorry. So I was trying to make it a nice. I'm thing. trying to burp away. My bad. <laughs> Uh, my good vibe is, I can find it. If you uh, have, this <laughs> guy's struggling. It's hard to find good vibes uh, these days, folks. My vibe was about a lady. A lady? That was a grandma. Found it. Here we go. Sherilyn Hernandez from San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. Recently visited a local show, a uh, gas station, to pick up a Diet Coke. Oh. You know what to say about San Antonio? 
They got a lot of big old women down there in San Antonio. Uh, they said that's what they say. Victoria ain't a secret Where's down there. In San, uh, Charles Barkley, Chuck, oh Chuck, Chuck. Yeah, Victoria definitely ain't a secret down there in uh, San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> He's an asshole. Churros, all churros. <laughs> it's down all there. churros. Uh, all them churros. <laughs> yeah, that dirty little crick. Yeah. So, uh, Sherlyn, oh Sherlene Hernandez was getting her, you know, delicious diet coke. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not, I don't drink it. I'm not that good guy. <laughs> so a quick stop off soon became a nightmare for the 72-year-old women. Again, this is good vibe, so yeah, okay, yeah. bear with me here. 72-year-old women, uh, oh, when a man savagely beat her. Before stealing. <laughs> <Come> <laughs> now, finish my story, man. Beat her before stealing her car. <laughs> Leaving her with severe injuries. Oh, my God. The thief approached her. Punched her in the face several times, <laughs> swiped her keys from her hands before driving away. Three witnesses tried to tackle the man, but he managed to flee. Soon after the carjacking, police found Hernandez's car total <laughs> on the interstate <laughs> with the driver dying as a result in the crash. Uh, she said, there's a lot of people who would say what goes around comes around. Karma. But she said that I don't think I did not think that The only thing only thing I got Was really sad Because he died Now granted He hurt me But the Lord saw Fit To take him Out of his misery uh, That's the good vibe story. <laughs> That's the good vibe story that's good vibe story man Um Yeah Alright Um Yeah hey, no, that's- Karma's real what goes around comes around. What goes around, I'm a big believer in karma. Me too. I'm a big believer in karma. So that I'll you, leave you. I'll hurt leave. elderly people. You die in a car crash. You could possibly die in a car crash. Okay, fair enough. With um, a car you stole. The, yes, yes. From yeah. an elderly woman. Hey, Amen. Yeah, what goes around comes around. It's good vibes. Good vibes. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Fran, my good vibe story is about a miracle dog who survived 12 days trapped in a badger hole after mm. the owner refused to give up and was camping in the woods. Okay, so a miracle dog survived 12 days trapped down in a badger hole, uh, a da- down in a badger hole after her owner refused to give up hope and camped out in the woods waiting for her safe return. She never left the woods until she found her dog. 46-year-old Victoria Hogan was left devastated when her border terrier, Frida, became trapped underground after darting down the hole during a walk. Victoria carried out an eight-day vigil by setting up camp at Licky Licky Hills Country Park near Birmingham, England, uh, in the vague hope that she would emerge from the hole. She even attempted to coax her beloved pet out by cooking bacon and blowing the aroma down the hole using a leaf blower, but to no avail. Incredibly, 12 days later, the six-year-old pooch reemerged and was found by three students by a roadside. Frida was rushed to the Black Vets Veterinarian Hospital. That's Blacks, I'm sorry. To Blacks, <laughs> Blacks Vets. I don't think that's better. To Blacks, last name, hopefully. Okay. Uh, to Blacks Vets Veterinarian Hospital. Is that minority owned or anything like that? Uh, probably not. It's... <laughs> It's fucking Berkshire, oh, England, okay, or whatever. Right. The fuck yeah, I don't know if there's any any black people there at all. Um, but they rushed to this house, this veterinary hospital in Dudley for urgent treatment for dehydration, malnutrition, pressure sores, and cuts and scrapes. She is now back home in Licky, in Worcestershire, with owner mm. Victoria. Vic, yeah, Vic, with like the sauce. Uh, her, 
she was back home with her husband, with owner Victoria and the, her, Victoria's husband Brian, and their other terrier Bert, okay. <laughs> which is a great name for a dog. Yeah. Uh, after after recovering from the dramatic ordeal, Victoria, who works alongside her husband at the same vets, said, "I camped out for eight days in the hope that Frida would somehow miraculously reemerge, which, mm-hmm. which she did." The Badgers Trust from the the Badgers Trust and RSPCA really supported us. While Hereford and Worcester Warsh, Warsh, Fire Service even used specialist listening devices and cameras to try to locate her, but there was no trace. On day eight, I just said to myself, "I have to give it, give up, and begin to grieve," and went back home. Although I did leave her a blanket and a bowl behind, just in case in the park just in case which is that's heartbreaking i remember when my dog ran away and there's this moment you get to where it's like you're not going to be able to find the dog and you got to go home Mm -hmm. and that's tough because you go when you come to the terms of that you're like they're not going to eat like i know i'm not going to find them and give them food and do all the stuff but at at some point you got to go like it's dark we're not going to find them that's tough so that's tough I, i i really sympathize with that that when it's like I got to go home, but I'm going to leave behind a bowl and a blanket and hope they find these things. Uh, but she said, then on day 12, I was told by three students that they had found my dog and uh, she was collapsed at the side of a nearby road. And I initially feared the worst. When I was told that she was alive, I felt like it was a miracle and I ran out of the house to find her. She was very weak and begrattled. And I'm sorry. I'm so, what was she, that? she was very weak and bedraggled. I don't even know that word. That's a that's a, Brit, a British word. She was very weak and bedraggled, but she was alive, wasn't she? So we rushed over to Black's Vets 24-7 Emergency Hospital in Dudley, where my husband Brian was based. And uh, she, said, she said they were so supportive and accommodating uh, for from the moment that it happened. And by the time we arrived, the nurses and emergency team had already organized a heated bed had fluids and pain relief already in her. And they were all geared up to treat her wounds. Uh, um, Brian said some of our colleagues even came in to help, even though they were not on duty. So this was like, everybody was very excited to help Frida. Yeah. Uh, They were all fabulous. And I now realize just how important it is to vets to provide 24 seven emergency service that can make the difference in cases such as Frida's. Brian, who is the clinical director for of blacks vets added I've been a vet for almost 30 years, haven't I? But Frida's story is one of the most incredible ones I've ever known. Uh, uh, She was severely malnourished and dehydrated and had some significant pressure sores as a result of being trapped and wedged underground for so long. But thankfully, nothing that she, it was nothing that she could not overcome. She was hospitalized for two days here at Black's for treatment and then allowed to come home to reunite with her brother, Bert. And the rest of the family, which was obviously a very happy occasion indeed. And that was the story of Frida, the border terrier, whatever type of terrier that she was, um, being survived 12 days uh, underneath the ground. It's almost like that James Franco movie where he had to cut his his arm off, but Hmm. it didn't end end that way, thankfully. Shout out to Frida. Um, That was more. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was more of a goodbye. Sometimes I wish I had a, a British accent. Oh man, I I always had this thought the other day because I've been watching Top Boy. Um, still great. Uh, I want a British kid. Hmm. I don't know how to do that. I guess you had to go over a, get a British woman, and but or send my kid to like be at a British school. 
Yeah, but I want to live little, over there, have a child over there, and let him grow up there, and then move back over here, and then bring him back over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let exactly. it let let's accent sink in for a couple of years, yeah, yeah. then bring him over, ship him ship him over. Yeah. Amazon. Yep. Um, I just I think there's something cute about it, like a three year old. It's like, are we gonna have a glass of water? Isn't it? They ask questions. Is it? It's hot outside, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I just want one of those. Yeah. Want a British kid? They're the best accent kid, and yeah, it's 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 a British accent is dope. I love British accents, man. Yeah, it's it's up there. It's 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 a good one. But especially something about it on a kid, I'm like, yeah, man, you're awesome. You're awesome. I seen a video on TikTok. It was like, they was like, uh, oh, I do can't you? please, yeah, please, do yeah, you? no, no, wait, look, please, what? Uh, no, I just, I'm, that's, I'm so excited to hear what this is about to come, have to come out of your mouth. Please, why? No, just, I'm, I'm excited. Go. He was like, he was like, what? Do Do you check your balls for cancer? <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't catch that. I, I didn't. I didn't I, see that. I just been reading that all over. <laughs> Do you check your balls for cancer? <laughs> no, I, I like, didn't. Man, see I that love that accent. <laughs> I didn't. See, I didn't see that TikTok. That was a TikTok that I missed. I didn't catch that. One. <laughs> I, didn't see, I didn't see that one. Uh, <laughs> before we get out of here, <laughs> do you check your balls for cancer? What is what TikTok? What lane are you in? <laughs> it was a kid. I don't know. No, no, no. It was, it was like a, it was like an it was like an interview, like a street interview thing. Oh, and it was asking people, "Have you? Do you check? How do you check for you know testis, testicular cancer or whatever?" Uh-huh. And and they asked him, and then it was a friend with him. He was like, "Do you check your balls for cancer?" <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> okay, hilarious. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look for that one. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, recommendations corner. Uh, girl, the girl from Plainsville. Is is really good. Al Fanning's great in it. It's uh, the story of Michelle Carter and Conrad. Can't remember his last name. Um, uh, and the show is getting really good. It's been it's been really good from the beginning, but it's it's really heating up. It's getting into the the trial and everything. And and Al Fanning just she really looks like her oddly, and it's it's weird. It's a really good show. Also finished Top Boy, as I said. Sadly, have to wait for the next season. So good. DeShane. Man runs the ends, bro. Runs the ends. I downloaded. I watch it on the flight. So yeah, you gotta watch at least two. Yeah, I watch at least two, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's, man, but no, uh, Top Boy really good. Um, I started watching the John Wayne Gacy tapes. They have a bunch of interviews of him from him and telling the story and everything. Mm. I thought I was John I Wayne Gacy out. That. I thought I was John Wayne Gacy out, but it's interesting. It's just Isn't interesting it? to hear again how in your story is like it would have been. In, it's interesting to hear how these people's mind works from them. Yeah, and John Wayne Gacy is like one of the Mount Rushmore people of serial killer. Like he's one of the most recognized serial killers. Yeah. So to hear him describe how he sees the world and how he sees his crimes and how he saw his tactics is, it is interesting. I thought I was tapped out. I'm, I'm all fucking Ted Bundyed out. I'm all fucking Jeffrey Dahmer out. I thought I was John Wayne Gacy out, and I am. But this is an interesting take. It's 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 interesting, hmm. and so far it's more interesting. They did the same thing with they had the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix as well. Okay, and the John Wayne because the John Wayne Gacy story is so much. It's just wild. It's just as crazy how he was able to operate, and people gave him the benefit of the doubt so many times. And it it, it is it, it's interesting, but th- that that was cool. Um, Atlanta's still great. 
yeah, those are all my recommendations that I have. Have you have you stumbled upon some movie that you from ten years ago that you <laughs> have seen recently that is blowing uh, um, I watched Blue Streak the other day. Blue Streak, yeah, the Martin Lawrence, movie. yeah, uh, classic. It's yeah, sure, that's <laughs> classic yeah. for me. Yeah, sure. I love that movie. Um, what have I watched lately? Uh, I've been watching Steph. Now, uh, so I was just be in the other room. So I was like going to the room, and she's watching whatever yeah, some yeah. reality TV show. You just get you so sitting, sitting there watching Ultimatum, watching that. I've seen the clips of this man. It's it seems like the messiest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. So just to be clear, from what I've been able to pick up, it's two people in a relationship. Yeah. The relationship's kind of on the rocks, mm-hmm. and then they agree to go on a dating show together yep. and date other people. To see if they get a connection with that person and then come back to the relationship to see if they still want to be together? Is that kind of the gist of it? <sighs> kind of, but it's like they go in there and it's like, okay, he or she, whoever gives this person the ultimatum to marriage is the is marriage. The, right, okay. Marriage. So the, the goal is for you guys to leave off the show and engage. Engaged. Okay. But they got this thing where it's like, well, you can pick. Somebody you you're obviously physically attracted to, and take them for a test drive. Take them for a test drive. You gotta live with them for three weeks. Wow, which can get super messy, and it has yeah. been messy. And then it's like, all right, well, and people come back, come back, and then some people broke up, and then met with those people that I stayed with, and then go to the reunion. They ain't even together no more. It's just it's <laughs> yeah, because like, like I mean, crazy. we're talking about engagement, and then we go somewhere, and then you go off. And date somebody in a in a house and probably have sex with them and stuff and then come back and they're like, yeah. So they were really nice and um, but I think I'm I think I'm gonna stay with you <laughs> and it's like okay, but did you have sex with them? Yeah, but like it was like, don't worry about that. It's like I don't know. That's like messy. It's messy. Yeah. So I watch. I it's like it seems like too messy for me to watch. I feel like it would make me cringe. Yeah. I mean, Especially I the clips I've been. I seeing. didn't. I didn't catch it till after they like. Lived with other people. I caught it after that. Oh, you didn't see that. I didn't catch that okay, part. Okay, but um, that feels like the messiest part. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah. like seeing seeing somebody seeing the person that you are in love with or or dating or yeah. would think about marrying like be seduced or wooed by somebody else. Yeah, that's like some fucking cucky type of swinger shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird. Uh, I got she got freaky, up in that. Freak, a little freaky. Less some freaky vibes. Yeah, freaky got vibes. caught up in that. Uh, still watching the Last Kingdom. <laughs> I tried. I gave the. I tried the first um, episode, but it was late. I admit, I watched about five minutes of the first episode, and I was like, "Fell asleep." I didn't fall asleep. I just was like, "I'm not in. I'm not in the mood to watch this." But yeah, yeah. my boy from Secession is in the first season, and so I will definitely be um, giving it a first watch. Definitely uh, continue to watch. And um, did you guys want to hear this till Monday? But I'm excited to see the. Good girls going wild. The joint we record this on. Yes, Friday. that coming on that TNT comes on Saturday. Um, yeah, scumbaggery I'm at watching, its finest. I'm watching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> scumbaggery, scumbaggery at its finest. Because as a kid, you go, "Whoa, man!" And now, man. like, you get to see all the other back behind the scenes shit. Now it's interesting how many things I went whoa at as a kid that are like, "Oh, this was like some very evil shit." Like, yeah, Playboy, Girls Gone Wild. But it's funny, Girls Gone Wild really with the with with the with the acceleration of the internet mm. and porn being accessible, the girls gone wild titillation thing went away yeah. by the time I was like in my adolescence and like a young teenage boy or whatever. Mm. But ne- I feel like even 
by the time I'm like 15, 16 years old, I think I would recognize like this is really exploitive. Like these girls are 17, 18 years old. There's a camera in front of them, but they don't really understand the Internet yet because it was so young. It's like, oh, you're going to be seen by millions of people. You just think you're doing like a you're it's Mardi Gras. Like this is just some guy doing a thing. And it's like, yeah. no, no, no. He's going to sell this to millions of people. And your dad might buy this because he's a he's a he's a man. Your dad could buy this and see you on Girls Gone Wild, like on a tour bus being fingered by another girl or something like it was so exploitive and the age stuff was weird and they were very like um peer pressurey and stuff. I'm really interested to watch that I'm really yeah. interested to watch that because I remember being seven and like three o'clock in the morning some crazy fucking Jamaican <laughs> be like Jamaican yeah. drum girls gone wild and woo and all this shit it, it seems so lighthearted and fun but you're like looking like covering your eyes yeah. but like looking through your fingertips it out anyway. or you got to the remote just in case your mom comes in the, what are you doing yeah, yeah. you gotta turn the tv off and stuff it was like this it was like this thing you it was taboo you weren't supposed to be seeing it yep and now you're gonna get the real dark side of it yeah and so i'm, really, I'm interested to watch that as well but yeah uh, that's just a few things crime con 2022 this Thursday, we'll be in Vegas. If you're going to be in Vegas, come to our booth, say hi. Let's have a good time. Vegas, man. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans, and we'll see you in Vegas. Deuces. Deuces.